Hey, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, it's, it's good to be here. I'm glad that you're here, too. Um, so I am a person of habit. I enjoy just doing the same things kind of over and over. There are people who say that I'm, I'm someone who's pretty adventurous, but the places that I adventure are places that I often have adventured before because I am a person of habit, and I, I feel comfortable in those things. And, um, and there's this, this thing that, that I do every day. Like, I, I have this cycle of things. I do the same thing every day almost um, from the time that I get up to the time that I go to bed. And it, it just feels like the same thing happens day after day after day after day after day. After. You know, have you ever felt like that? Um, but, but the first thing I do whenever I get up in the morning um, at 5 in the morning, um, I turn on the... TV, and then I, and then I experience parents like 45 minutes of the people on TV talking about the things that, that have happened kind of in the past 24 hours called the news. Like, and for me, it's kind of important because if there was like, like a bomb that blew up somewhere, I want to know about it before I come here, you know, to church, you know, I want to know, you know, the current events. And so 45 minutes and I'm half asleep, kind of in and out. I've not had my coffee yet. And I'm in, but then I get to hear um, about the people that have gotten shot. I got to hear about Afghanistan. I get to hear about Denver or something that happened in Florida. I get updated on all the things that have happened. And, and like a bunch of the things, they're not happy things, correct? Like kind of in the morning, you turn it on, you're like, you know, someone died in car wrecks. Actually, like 45 people in the past 24 hours have died in car wrecks. There was a huge, like, tornado that happened, and there was a bomb that blew up on accident, you know, and all these, and then it's just like, okay, well, I got that over with, 45 minutes, time for my coffee, and so, so I get up, and I turn on the Keurig, um, but I don't actually brew my coffee, I turn it on so it can heat up, and then I go to the bathroom, and by the time I'm done going to the bathroom, the Keurig is hot, and then I brew my coffee, this is my first cup of coffee of five that I have to have before I get out of the house. I know this is my only thing that I do that's really wrong, right? And so it's, you know, I have to have five cup of coffee just to feel okay about being alive at that time. And so, um, and so, so everyone's in bed. I've already taken my shower. I've had coffee. And then every day I do the same thing. I, I get in my car and I drive across town to Zoe's, that's the place that my office is. And, and, and so driving across town to Zoe's, I get to see everybody. Every, like, some, my home, it's kind of all the way on that side of town. And then I have to drive all, it takes me like 20 minutes to get to Zoe's, some place I live. And the quantity of people that I see out and doing things and, and, and I pass by, I get to see like the heart and soul of really early in the morning, and it's a, a pretty cool thing. Um, but I just continue on with my day, and I've been here in Greeley for 14 years, and kind of every day seems like the same thing to me, except during the early part of July. There's something that shifts for us here in Greeley, and it's called the stampede, right? The stampede is something 
that I can't even explain that happens here in Greeley. Like, how does this happen? But, okay, so to be honest, so I haven't really ever gone to this stampede before until just a couple days ago. But I felt like I didn't really have to go to the stampede because kind of everyone talks about it. And I can see the fireworks from my house and I can hear the bands and everyone's talking about it anyway. So I don't really need to go because all my friends are talking about it. And so I'm experiencing the stampede vicariously through everybody else, right? And so I already know it. I already know everything about the stampede and all the things that happen until the other day I actually got to go to the stampede. And holy cow, have you gone to the stampede? <laughs> it's like, it's like, what is Greeley doing? Like, how did this happen? It's amazing. And Greeley is like alive and on point and on fire. And it's like, I'm from Greeley, right? Like there's, there's like this thing. And I was like, why haven't I ever been to the stampede? And I apologize to my family because I was so anti-stampede, you know, like we don't need to go stampede, it's a muddy carnival. It's not a carnival. Like there are so many amazing things that happen at the stampede. I had no idea there are people. I mean, oh, there are so many times, there are so many times that, that when I open a biblical text, and I actually see it firsthand, it's kind of like that. That I thought all growing up, I heard about it from someone else and, and someone else like talked about this to me and this is, you know, this parable or this story and I already know it. I heard it a freaking hundred times, you know? I've, I know, I know, I know. And then you actually see it and you're like, whoa, what I thought it said is not what it says at all. And I don't know what that says. And, and then there's this, why haven't I ever been in this before? And why hasn't anyone told me? And why, it's like the stampede. And so, so today, and from this point on, I want to encourage you guys to, to experience the Bible for yourself. Like, I know you're going to hear things from here, but go home, experience it for yourself, be in it, study it, get into it. Because today's story that, that we all are going to talk about, it's, so it's very similar to, to how the stampede is to our city. The story of the Good Samaritan, it kind of is to the Bible. And so as soon as I say, we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan today. It's kind of like the same response. Oh, it's like the Greeley Stampede. I've been, you know, blah, 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 but you haven't really ever been before. That's the experience that I personally had um, whenever I opened up the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, when I opened up the story, you know, and I, had, I was like, so I really don't have to prepare a bunch for tonight because this is easy one. This is like a Homer in a, I mean, it's just going to happen. Because it's a Good Samaritan. And then I, I engaged the Good Samaritan. It was like, oh my gosh, I am an idiot who knows nothing about what Jesus is saying. And Lord, forgive me. So today our topic is the Good Samaritan. If you have your Bibles, please, um, please turn them to the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, verse 25. Okay, are you there? Good. Okay, so... So the passage will begin up here. And as a congregation, we're all going to say it together. So here it goes. Here we go. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, 
how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? All right, that's it. So context, context, context. There is a teacher of the law who is coming up to Jesus to test him. Um, He is a teacher of the law and who is Jesus kind of in the Hebraic context. He also is a teacher of the law. The teachers of the law are called, who knows, rabbis, right? And so you have one teacher of the law who's coming to test another teacher of the law. This is fun, okay? So this kind of is the Hebrew culture. This totally is not the Christian culture. In Christian culture, whenever you have, have like a Christian come up and test someone else, it's kind of like, right? But in Hebrew culture, it's like, this is what they do. Like, like the teachers of the law, they like to debate and to argue and to test and to talk and, and to discuss. It's the iron sharpens the iron thing, right? The t- teacher of the law is coming up to Jesus to engage in this debate. And one of the most fun questions one teacher of the law can ask another teacher of the law is, tell me what I have to do to have eternal life. This is a very common question because it gets at the heart of how do you interpret Torah. And so Jesus, when this teacher, the expert of the law, comes up and says, how do I get eternal life? Jesus, he doesn't give him the answer, right? He does the things that Hebrew people do best. He answers it by asking another question. Because if you're able to answer a question with a question, that shows you're brilliant. So, and so how do I gain eternal eternal life. And then Jesus says, well, tell me what the Torah says. And then he says, how do you read it? So Jesus is inviting this guy to give him his interpretation of the thing that the Torah says. And so this teacher of the law, he quotes, he quotes the law and he's says, here's what the Bible says, um, that I have to love God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength, and then to love my neighbors as myself. And then Christ says, then in response, you're right. Sounds good, right? That's the end of the debate. You're right. Cool. And then the teacher of the law, as the Bible says, is he's wanting to justify himself. He's wanting to know he's okay. And so he asked Jesus to clarify a bit further. Well, who is my neighbor? This is a tricky question for someone who's a Jew. This is a tricky question for someone who is a Jew because Jews don't have them. They are their own neighbors. They're their own people group. They don't associate outside their 
clans. Um, that, that they are people who take pride in being exclusive. They are God's chosen people. So, so this idea of who is my neighbor, it's a very challenging question for someone who is Jewish. Furthermore, in Hebrew, there isn't a term that that actually means neighbor. This word, it actually means brother or comrade or um, someone who shares the same soil. Um, it's someone who's going on the same path. They eat the same food. They're you know what I mean? Like, there's this big, like, paragraph to explain this brotherhood, right? So I need to treat my brother, I need to treat my, my, um, the people on the soil, this people on, on this journey as I treat myself. Well, who is that? And so in response to this, remember we have a teacher of the law, who is debating a teacher of the law, and he, he asks, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus then tells a parable. A parable is a story that hasn't happened, but it's like a, a teaching example that, that has a bigger point. And so the passage continues. Here it is. Here we go. So in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So, he begins to tell this parable, and this parable begins, there is a man who is going from Jerusalem to Jericho. There is a man who is going from Jerusalem to Jericho. On purpose, Jesus does not tell us who this man is. Is he, is he a Hebrew person? We don't know. Is he a, a Persian? We don't know. What we do know is he's coming from Jericho. Jerusalem to Jericho. And he's going down this path from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is an important fact. He, everything in the Bible points to something else. There's a, a point to everything. And the fact that he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho is important. There is a single path that goes from Jerusalem to Jericho. In fact, there's a single path that gets to Jerusalem from Jericho, but to get to Jerusalem from any place else, you have to go through Jericho. Jericho, people say, is the key to Jerusalem, that you have to go through Jericho to get to Jerusalem. Jerusalem sits on top of a hill. It is a city on a hill. And it isn't just a hill. It is a huge hill. It is a big hill that this path from Jericho to Jerusalem, it is a hard path upward. And coming down from Jerusalem, you're going downward. Hiking up from Jericho to Jerusalem is like climbing a fort. It is a challenge. You are, are climbing upward and coming down from 
Jerusalem, you're going downward. This is important. The path, it is not an easy path. So there is a guy who is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. The other thing that's important about Jerusalem and Jericho is Jerusalem had been seen as the city of God. It was the holy place, the holy, everything holy happened in Jerusalem. Jericho was the opposite. It was like Vegas, right? Um, So you got the city of God, and then you have the city of humans, right, who do the things that humans enjoy doing. And so, um, and then there is a path that goes between the two. And so this path that goes between the two, it is a hard path, but it's a very short path. This path is only 15 miles, but because of how hard the path tends to be, and it's like, it's like turning, it's going up, and you're climbing, um, that it, it tends to take forever to go up and go down it. So people aren't going to take this path for a, for a pretty easy hike. This path, this has kind of actually something that she would have to say, okay, I am going to go up this path, or I am going down this path. It's going to be hard. I'm going to pack. And a bunch of people, if they are going to go down from Jerusalem, or if they're going up from Jericho, they will go in a caravan. There will be other people to accompany them because there are a bunch of bad people on the path. This path is very commonly called the blood road um, because so many people have been a Attacked and beat up um, because um, that's just how it is. It's a very dangerous path. And so Jesus, during the beginning of this parable, he says, there is a man who's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, right? And as he's going down, he gets beat up. On top of that, there's something that's very famous about this road. There are actually hotels there that had begun to pop up to exploit um, kind of the fact that people got beat up. And so, so these hotels took advantage of the idea that people get hurt all the time here. And so when Jesus begins telling this parable, he's telling this story of something very common that happens. There's this guy who's going down from the city of God and then, you know what I mean? Going down and to Jericho, and he's traveling down this very dangerous path. And on this very dangerous path, some people came, they beat him up. And then there are two people who come by him. Who are the two people? The first person who comes by is a, who is it? A teacher of the law, right? Like that's the thing that happens. There's the expert of the law. There's um, the guy who who has all the understanding, all the knowledge, and, and he is coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Also, this is important. He's coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He sees the guy 
half dead, and he passes by on the other side. He does not have compassion on the man who is beaten up. Then, then you have who? Yes, who is a priest. Um, the Hebraic priesthood, um, people cannot choose to be a part of it. You have to be born into it. Um, a, a priest in the Hebrew culture is something you're born into. And furthermore, the things that you do primarily as a priest, you are someone who offers sacrifices on behalf of people all day. And so, but by offering sacrifices, the things that you're doing is you are killing things all day long. And so if you can picture someone who is a, someone who is a Hebrew priest, they, they are just cutting the throats of cattle. They're cutting the throats of goats. They're cutting, and they're often like covered in blood. I mean, it's, that's just how it is. Um, So in the Hebrew culture, they separate the teachers of the law and then the priests because they serve two different functions. The teachers of the law, they are the people who give their sermons and teach. And then you have the priests who hold the sacraments, who do, do all the sacrifices. They don't talk to people. They are very solitary. They kill things all day long. And if you kill things, that has to do things to your soul. I don't know. Anyway, so you have the teacher of the law. He, he is someone who embodies Torah. He knows Torah. He goes for it. He has all the answers. He likes to challenge people. He knows what the Bible says. He hasn't memorized, right? Like he knows every Bible verse. You know, he's like, guy. And so, and then you have the priest who has done all the sacrifices on behalf of of the Hebrew culture. You know, he is the one who takes the sins of people and sacrifices the animals and, right? And so he comes down from, he comes down this path. He sees the half dead person and and then he also passes by on the other side. He does not give this beaten person compassion. Then the passage continues. Here it is. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out the two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So there are, <laughs> there's this guy who's traveling down from the holy city and he's traveling down this common path. He gets beat up. He's half dead. And then there is a teacher of the law who finds him and he ignores him and continues on his path. And then there is a priest who comes by the one that offers sacrifices. And then he also sees him and passes by the half dead man. And then coming up from Jericho, we have this character of the story who, who, who is a Samaritan. It's important the, the paths that are happening here. So 
these two are coming down from Jerusalem, the Samaritan is going up to Jerusalem. Spend some time thinking about that. And, and furthermore, the character in the story is a Samaritan. Who the Samaritans are? Love it. Okay, the Jews hate Samaritans and the Samaritans hate the Jews. Like this is like at a core fundamental hatred thing. And it's brilliant. So the Hebrew people are all about being pure and holy and they are God's chosen people. And the Samaritans come from whenever the Hebrew people get conquered and they go and they're, they are like, they go to Persia and Assyria. Whenever the Hebrew people, they, they, they intermarry and have kids, they then are not pure anymore. They're not pure Hebrew people. So they can't come back to Jerusalem. So on the outskirts, you have Samaria that had all the people that are kind of half Hebrew, half something else, they have to be, right? And so there is a lot of tension between Samaria and then the Judaic people. The, the, um, the Jewish people actually burnt down a Samaritan temple or a holy place. And then directly after that, the Samaritans killed pigs and they put the blood of the pigs totally all over the Hebrew temple, right? And this thing goes back and forth, back and forth. The Samaritans and the Jews, Samaritans and the Jews, right? And so it isn't like, oh, the Samaritans and oh, the Jews. It is like the Samaritans, the Jews, right? Like boom, right? And so, so as soon as this parable is going and Christ says, and then there was a Samaritan. Just the fact that he said Samaritan, that a holy person, that a teacher of the law would say Samaritan, someone go, whoa, 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 you know, what's up? And so then it continues on. He says, there was a Samaritan who encounters the half dead guy. He sees him. That's important. He sees this guy half dead, and then he takes compassion on him. He takes bandages, and he bandages his wounds. Then he takes the oil he has and puts that on him, and then he cleans it with wine, and then he takes his, 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 his own donkey, and he puts the half-dead guy on top of a donkey and takes him to a hotel and tells the innkeeper, I'll pay for everything, right? Just the simple fact that a Torah teacher, a teacher of the law, would tell the parable, and the hero of the story is a Samaritan. <laughs> People began saying, crucify him at that point. Like that's, that, that, that's, I mean, that's heresy. And so he's telling this parable, putting a Samaritan up against the teachers of the law, putting a Samaritan up against the people who offer sacrifices on behalf of everybody. And he's the hero of the story. Why? So then the passage continues on. Here it is. 
Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. First off, did you see he did not say the Samaritan? Because they don't call him that. (laughs) The person who had compassion on him. But the question that... Jesus brings forth is very interesting. He says, who do you think was being a neighbor to the man who had fallen? And this question is the question to answer the other question that had just been asked. Who is my neighbor, right? And so so this guy says, who's my neighbor? And then he tells this parable and Christ says, who do you think is being a neighbor, right? So that isn't actually like the answer to who is my neighbor, right? It's bringing up a bigger question. Who is being one? Who's my neighbor? Who's being one? Who is my neighbor? Who do I have to help? Who are you helping? See what I'm saying? It's like, you know, um, big bigger, bigger thoughts. Because in this parable, it just like tears apart this question of tell me the thing I gotta do. Tell me the thing that I have to do. Tell me the things that I have to understand. And then tell me the thing that I have to do. What do I believe here? You see, he brought up these different examples. You have the guy who believes and knows everything. Like Torah teachers have the the whole Old Testament memorized. They're brilliant. And he, (laughs) the hero of the story is the guy who doesn't know any of it, right? And then you have the guy who comes down, the guy who is, offered hundreds of thousands of sacrifices. He's done everything like cut, 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 cut. And there's, you know, anyway, um, it's happening. And the hero of the story is the guy who's offered none, right? But offers compassion. And this has a lot, a lot of potency for us. (laughs) This is a lot of, I, I, I don't know how to teach it correctly because it is such a big concept. The concept of compassion, the the concept that if you truly embrace an idea or a thought and you say, I'm in, you also do it. Like these, these things hold hands. You can't say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in compassion. I believe in grace, I believe in the heart of God, and not do it. It's impossible. But how much of our conversation is tied up in, just tell me what I have to do and to whom? There's a passage in the Bible that's just heavy in this. Here it is. I want us to all say this together because I love it. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? 
Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. I do that all the time. Like, I do that all the time. I don't have time for people, you know, but I'll pray for you. You know, like, whoa. Because kind of in the story of the Samaritan, like, man, I'm, it would be awesome to be the Samaritan, but man, I am the teacher of the law, and it is sick. <laughs> what you believe in the things that you do, hold hands tightly. Hold hands tightly. In fact, the term in Hebrew for faith, it's the same term as obedience. It's the same one. Like, you can't separate the two. Like, they're the same one. It's faith is obedience, and obedience is faith. Like, they, right? They're not even two hands. They're one body. And, 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 and so there's this idea of, oh, people, if you believe this, you are it, right? And so there's this idea in the Christian faith that it's so much more than what you believe or what you understand. It's what we do. And when we do the things we believe, the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, when you do the things you believe, and if you actually engage the Bible for what it is, it is really amazing because things begin to move and people feel alive. And there is a potency to the things that you say because you're actually doing them. It's amazing because then when you do the compassion of Christ, when you engage the heart of God, when you believe that you are part of the movement of the kingdom, it's more than just helping a single, a single person on the road. You begin to engage culture. You begin to engage the things that have caused the problems in the first place. You begin to tackle big, bigger problems problems because the kingdom of God is at hand. In fact, whenever I was pulling up this parable, I found this amazing quote. And I, when I saw it, I just silently, silently engaged it. And I began to cry. Here it is. love it because there's a lot at stake here and the gospel is all about changing things it's about transformation it's about the power of God it's just not paying the price for your sins it is God having compassion towards you God having a heart for you God transforming you into who you are as sons and daughters of him there is a bigger cultural shift that is happening that begins with seeing the people you pass by every day. In fact, the early saints, they interpreted this parable as like one of the potent gospel allegories of, of Christ, who is the Samaritan who's coming up 
from Jericho to the holy city who's traveling on this thing called the blood road. Um, You have to travel the blood road to go from the places of man to the places of God. And and although the law and the teachers of the law cannot help this man and, and the sacrifices cannot help this man, the Samaritan Christ had compassion on him and the things that he does of, of he bandages him and then he takes the oil. In the Old Testament and Hebrew culture, the oil is a symbol of anointing and healing and a calling out of, I see who you are. And then he takes the wine, which in Hebrew culture and in Christian culture is this symbol of sacrifice. It's a symbol of healing. And he pours it on the man's wounds as this symbol of, of healing and a bringing forth in this anointing. And the fact that, that, that then the Samaritan t- takes the man and he puts him on his own donkey on the path to Jerusalem. Do you see the picture that is playing out and takes him to the inn and he says, I will pay for everything, but I have to go and I'll come back. Do you see what's happening here? There's a bigger story inside the smaller story. There is a lot that's happening in the story of the Good Samaritan that has everything to do with us because the parable ends by, here it is, and Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do just like that. You be the Samaritan. You, he's talking to a teacher of the law, and he's saying, you copy that guy. Be that guy. Have the compassion of God. Have the compassion of Christ. Go and be it. Because every day, we do the same thing. And we go from... Jerusalem to Jericho, every day, I turn on the news every day, is this a Jericho road? I see people and I do not have compassion at all for them. They are a part of my daily habit. And I don't say a prayer. I do not think about them. Kind of after that moment, I say, there isn't anything big that has happened. And then I go and have my coffee. But if I change my perspective of my Jericho road, how do I engage the tragedy of the others? Going from my house to the other side of Greeley, this is my Jericho road. How do I see everyone that I pass? Because I can tell you, I have had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to be the teacher of the law and to be the priest. And I am awesome at that. But I didn't know that I could be the Samaritan all over the place. The call of Christ is to go and be like that guy. And this whole sermon is about perspective, changing our perspective of who do I have to help to the, who are you helping? Well, who do I have to help? Who are you helping? You know, who is my 
neighbor. It's everyone you are a neighbor to. Who is the neighbor of God? That is the following question. So go and be the Samaritan. Go and see the opportunities that you have. Have a change of perspective of engagement because every day you walk the path from Jericho to Jerusalem or the path from Jerusalem down to Jericho. The directions matter. Go and be like that guy. Please pray with me. Oh God, we thank you for who you are, a God of compassion, a God of heart, a God who sees us. God, we thank you for being our father. God, we thank you for being our teacher. We thank you for holding our hands and helping us see things that we have not seen before. Help us to have a heart for people. Help us to see others. Help us to slow down. Help us to see others. Help us to give our time, to give our finances to others. Help us to see other people. God, in this time, please show us the people that every day are passed by us. God, show us the people that are in our paths that we all have ignored and avoided. Oh God, inspire us. Show us the bandages. Show us the oil. Show us the grace that you have given us to offer. God, pour your heart out upon us so it can't be contained here.